good week, everybody? Yeah, sort of. Those of you who didn't have a good week and you still showed up, by the time the message ends, you're like the superstars, just so you know. So it's good that you're here. Uh, friends, I'm going to start a little bit of a series where we're going we're gonna to look together at the encounters that people had with God throughout, especially the Old Testament, where God got really close to them. And, and there are all over the Bible, actually, there are these times when God came and he met people right in the middle of where they were at, the things they were struggling with, doubt, fears, anxieties, mad at the injustice of this world, all of those things that can kind of destabilize us. We're going to be talking today specifically about doubt, and what doubt does is it gets us kind of looking both ways, and God wants us to go through our life sure-footed in a world that isn't so sure, right? You live, you and I live in a broken world, and that means there's gonna be all sorts of things that happen to us as we go about the things that we're doing, but God wants us to be sure-footed, and as you live your life, there are gonna be times that you doubt. I could ask you how many of you have had doubts, and the, but some of you wouldn't raise your hand, and I don't want you to lie in church. So, because we do, right? All of us have doubts. This one day I got up and I had this distinct feeling that I wasn't saved. Then I took a cup of coffee and then I was fine. So this message is not about coffee, but you know, we all have moments where we doubt stuff, we doubt God, we, is God really powerful? Is God really good, right? When things happen in our life. But I think the toughest things anyways, I don't know what you think, is we begin to doubt ourselves is yeah, yeah, I know God's out there and I know he has all these promises, but am I enough? And, and we're gonna kind of cover the landscape with a great old story from the Old Testament that where we take a really gut honest look at how do you deal with your doubts? Um, most of the time when your doubts are really significant, you can't shout them down. Uh, you're not actually meant to jam your feelings of doubt. What you're meant to is actually deal with your doubts. And God wants to meet you right where you are at in that place and be honest with it so you can take those doubts and rather than those doubts being something that pull you down, they're actually meant to be something that you honestly look at so you can rise to that place so you can be stable and you can be sure-footed in whatever life is going through. through. So here, here's basically how throughout the Bible God deals with this. He comes and he, and he talks to individuals and he will, he'll meet somebody right where they're at and when he, as they are going through the thing that they're going through, he has these close encounters with them. And what he does is he shows up and sometimes he shows up with like lightning and thunder like Moses on the mountain. It's like crash, bang. And it's like, oh, okay. But every time, almost every time that God does that, when he shows up to somebody, he shows up and he says, and it starts out with these two words. He says, I am. Actually, do you know that 300 times in the Bible, God says, I am. And those I am's are supposed to be those things that we, when God comes and he brings us, what he wants to do is he wants to give you revelation of something about him that's going to take you through whatever it is you're going through. Because you aren't smart enough, you aren't strong enough, you aren't brilliant enough to talk your way, think your way, feel your way out of anything. You were never designed to do that. You were designed to receive from God something about who he is so you can become that too. 
That's how God wants you to deal with your doubts. And he wants you to be gut level honest and, and have him receive one of those I am's. Now, in the beginning, when you, you may recognize this, we're going to be looking at the first one in just a minute, but there's this phrase that he starts out with that he says, I, when he was describing himself to Moses, he says, I am who I am. That's a little vague. Or if you're from my generation, it's Popeye. I is what I is. Which, is, which sounds more like an excuse for being who you are than it does for some grand thing. But basically, I am who I am means that I am the source of all things. I am where all things begin. I am the beginning, the end. I am the first and the last. I am the alpha and the omega. I have my, my hands all over your life. I am. And each time we're going to look at all these different places where God encounters people, each time what he does is he brings a word to them that's exactly what they need in the moment, but it's a word about him. It's not a word about them. And what you and I need when we're doubting, when we're frustrated, when we're struggling, when we're going through what we're going through is to be deadly honest with ourselves, with God, and probably somebody else who's close to you, and then... Receive from God what his word is to you. And so we're going to take a look and see what that is. And, and those I am's are all over the Bible. I am slow to anger, abounding in love, compassionate, faithful. I'm a strong tower, defender, provider, protector. I am the light of the world. I remember one lady who I was years ago having a conversation with. And, and she had the worst Christian story that I'd heard in a long, long time. Is she was... Abused by somebody in the church, then every successive person that she went to in her religious circle, somebody did something horrible to her. And so there's like four of them. And she was sitting in my office, and we were talking about stuff, and I just kept looking at her and thinking, you know, I am the problem here, right? Because I'm one of those people, like I'm a pastor, and I'm one of those people, those list of those people who have done terrible things to you. What in the world is going on in your life? And she looked at me. And she said, you know what, Aubrey, this is going to sound weird, and only God can do this, but through all these 20 years of these horrible things happening to me, you know what I learned? I learned that God is my defender. I said, okay. (laughs) And she said, you know what? If you haven't gone through it, you might not get it, but he is my protection. He protected me when I had my knife on my wrist and I was gonna end it all because I thought there was no hope. He protected me when I didn't wanna get up any morning. He protected me when I thought that my mind could never get straight again. He was my protector in everything, and now I am here today. God is my protector in life. And I went, oh. That's a lot deeper, isn't it? You know, there's a, there's a gospel that's going around that's sort of the really bad prosperity gospel that, that God, this is what God does for you, all the shiny stuff. But God's got a whole bigger, deeper, fuller, more complete way. And he says, I am. And I want to reveal who I am to you. So it can become just as deep for you as it was for my friend. Because we live in a broken world that is based on Satan's principles, not on God's. And God says, I'm going to give you everything that you need because I am. And if you understand who he is in the middle of whatever you're going through, 
you can remain on solid ground. So we're gonna take a few minutes. We're gonna look at uh, Abram, who would, would be Abraham, and see what his God encounter was like and what we can learn and how we can really grab a hold of this to make this solid and real for ourselves. Uh, the Old Testament, when you're reading it, this is in, in big picture, is like a beautiful room with all the furnishings and paintings and everything else that's sort of dimly lit. And you need to have the Old Testament shine on it to get real sense of what it is. Because all the Old Testament stuff actually points toward Jesus. So we're going to go through this story, and then we're going to give you a sense of what is the, the God version of this. All right? So Abram, who would be Abraham, is he's, got a, he's going to have a little honest encounter with God about his doubts. The backdrop of this story is he has just rescued Lot, who's his relative, and uh, he's defeated all these kings, and he's coming back. He's a little anxious because they might kind of bring retribution on him, but one of the kings of Sodom comes to him and kind of wants to barter with him, and he wants to get their stuff back and everything, and so this is what has in Genesis 14. It says, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, he says, give me the people, but keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, and this is kind of giving us a picture of, hey, when, we, when there are things we believe in our life that we're good at, this is what it looks like when we're good, when we really believe something and we're solid. He said, but Abraham said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I've sworn an oath to the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, that I accept nothing belonging to you, not even, I love this, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal, so that no one will ever be able to say, I made Abram rich. I'm not even going to take a piece of thread from you. Because what did he know? He knew that God says, I am your provider. So he, he was absolutely clear on that. God had rescued it, and, and so he's doing well. Now, I want you to begin to think about this. There are some things that in your life you are convinced about, and you know that you know that you know that you're really good about, and things that you're really solid on. And for every one of you, it's a little bit different. That you have faith and you believe in your good, and you stand on that. Now, what happens in the middle of that is mixed in with that is there are some things that you're actually not so solid on. When life happens, that happens. And this is what is happening to our friend Abe as he's going through. So in Genesis chapter 15, he has this great moment where he's believing and everything, and then he has his close encounter with God. He says, right after this, so really right away, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So God is going to meet with him in this vision. And I don't know if when you have visions or dreams or stuff, like, do you get to carry on these conversations? This is, this is what happened to Abraham. Abraham, it was, it's kind of interesting. It says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And he said, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I'm your protection. Just like he was Joseph's protection from his brothers, he was Rahab's protection to the slaves, he was Daniel's protection to the lion's den. You hear this all over the place. He says, I am your shield. So don't worry about the kings coming back and trying to get back at you. I'm your shield. So that's pretty encouraging, right? God's word, he, man, he knows God is provider. He's got a sense of God being his shield and his protection. This sounds like a great dream. He says, but also, I am your very great reward. So he says to him, not only am I your shield, I am your reward. So remember that prosperity gospel thing we talked about over here? 
God says, no, like that's nice when good things happen to you and you get stuff, that's great. But you are on a quest, Abram, to learn that the most important thing in life is this, that I am your reward. And that's what God says to every one of us. And Abram spent his whole rest of his life learning and figuring out what it meant that God was actually his reward. Not stuff, not people, not anything else. His presence, his promises, his power. I am your reward. And he works it all out as he goes through this. So, all, so far, this dream, this vision seems amazing, right? God's given him all the stuff. He's getting it all figured out. And um, somebody said, if you doubt, that shows that you are human. So let's, let's see the human part of Abe come out. And he says, but Abraham said, sovereign Lord, can you, what can you give me? Remember, God just said, I gave you myself. And this is, this is what he said. Yeah, but you know what? What can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is this Elhazar guy from Damascus who I see in my house wandering around all the time. And Abraham said, you, you have not given me any children, so I am the servant of my household will be my heir. And in life, this is what happens to us. Is God does all this stuff, we have everything happen, but there is something my kids aren't living like they're living. My marriage isn't what I do. My finances aren't. And I begin to doubt. And this is exactly what happened to Abram. He has all this stuff. You and I have all this amazing stuff in our life. But what happens is we begin to doubt. You are human. And so God gets mad at him and he smites him with fire. Oh, wait, no, that's not it. He has no children. The thing that's really important to him is tearing his heart out. And he doesn't know what to do. And he's so frustrated and so discouraged. And he's on all these great words and stuff to God, but he just really, really begins to doubt. And the word of the Lord said to, came to Abram and he said this, this man that you see wandering around your house, which is would be kind of like a torment to him, says, will not be the one who inherits your estate. It will be your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then God does something that just sort of punctuates it. And every time he makes a declaration, he gives them something to, a symbol, something to kind of wrap their heads around. And he said this, he says, I want you to look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he says to them, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And basically, God said to Abraham, you believe this. This is who you're becoming. So I want to put some context to this. So he says, Abraham, I want you to see these stars. So everybody in this section, start in the bottom left corner and begin to count. Okay, you guys, in the, you guys right? Abraham, look up. Every time you look up out of your tent, I want you to see all the stars and I want you to know that I am your God. I am. And that is what your life looks like. The thing that's most important to you, the thing that is tearing your heart out, the thing that you can't see of anything else. I am the Lord. Take a look at the stars. So every time Abram came out of his tent, he saw the stars. Ooh, that's pretty good. We can, we can close the message now. Amen.
except that was Abraham doubting God. Abraham, like you and my, I said, yeah, you know, God, I got some doubts with you. I actually got some doubts about me. I know you're great and you're strong. Yeah, I'm not so great. And again, God did not smite him with anything else, but he just said this. Lord, the Lord said to him, uh, I brought you out of the land of Chaldeans and give you this land that you're going to possess, verse 8. And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that this, I will gain possession of this? I got some doubts about me, God. So the Lord said to him, this is where you got to hang in because they would understand this immediately. You and I were going to have to get contact. So the Lord said to them, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought those out and he cut them in half and made a pathway for them being cut in half. Now, for those of us who don't know what's going on here, this seems a bit weird, right? Basically, when God would have said to Abram, I want you to do this, he would have gone, oh, okay, God's going to make a contract with me. That's how they did it. You and I live in a time when we do written stuff, right? We get a lawyer, we pay them way too much money for one little signature, and we do that. Or we go to the bank, and uh, we pay them way too much money, and we sign on the stuff, and they, somebody witnesses, and it's good. And this is exactly what Abraham would have known. God said, okay, bring me these things. Okay, God's going to make a contract with me. He says, well, that's kind of good. So he gets in, and this contract... You got to get this. This would be like, this is a very messy, gross thing. Like these animals are cut in half and there's blood everywhere. And you got to think of entrails kind of going through the whole thing. And the whole idea is that as this thing would be cut in half, you would walk between the halves, all the gut bloods and guts and mushes. And the thought would be, if you do not fulfill your part of the bargain, you will end up like this. Can you imagine the great service you would get from your electrician if that was the deal? <laughs> I think they were onto something, right? So this is, this is what it was. God says, okay, I'm going to make this contract with you. I'm going to do this thing with you. And this is in the vision. And then God says, okay, I don't want to give you nice words. I want you to get this. You're doubting me. You doubt yourself. I'm going to meet you right in the middle of your doubts. And it says, and as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful, say dreadful, <laughs> dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said to him, and now he begins to lay out, he, he gives him a, an eerie feeling, and now he begins to lay his life out four generations from now, what's going to happen with all of his ancestors but he wanted him to get that feeling first. He says, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they'll be enslaved and mistreated. That happened. And I will punish the nations that enslaved them and served them as slaves, and afterwards they will go out with great possessions. Exactly what happened. And you, however, will go to your ancestors in peace, you're going to have this great peaceful life and you're going to be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here because the sins of the Amorites, God's working at like 15 different levels at once. And he says, That's, that thing's going to be taken care of and you're going to come back here and you will have reached its full measure. And it says, and the sun set and darkness had fallen and there was smoke and there was fire and God passed 
between the pieces. Now, we're going to need a little bit of help with this because it said when there was dread that came over, I want you to get this. It was dark. And there was, you know that eerie, eerie feeling that you get? It's not like some cheesy Halloween movie where some woman screaming, go, don't scream because the guy will stab. Nothing like that. It was like when God gives dread, he felt it all the way through his body. And it said there was smoke that came. And, and the best interpretation that I can see of this was something like you're going to see in just a second. It was like... Gotcha. <laughs> and, and the lightning actually stayed in place. And, and it was like, and God came, and the, four, and the dread was a thought about the 400 years, and the light is a sense of, you know what, through this whole thing, God says, I am present. And God gave this picture to, Ab to Abram as he was going along, and here's the thing that I want you to get from this. God met him right where he was at, but what we might miss, because it's not our way of signing contracts, is this, and I think this is so powerful. What God said, oh, scared the children, sorry about that. Uh, what God said was, we're gonna have this, we're gonna make this aisle way of these things cut in half, and it, both people would walk through it, and then the agreement was sealed. But if you were a king or a person of, of high rank, you would never walk through that. You would just let the other person walk through it and you would be knowing that you had good, such honor that you would never do that. So Abe's ready. He's felt that horror. He sees the lightning kind of suspended in the sky. And what happens, what the crazy turn of events is, is that God walks through the middle of it and he says, if I do not fulfill my promise, I'm going to be torn in two. And Abraham just couldn't believe it. And he tells a story of saying, this is what happens to your generation. Your kids are all going to grow up. That one's going to be a doctor. That one's going to be a lawyer. Whoever they want to be. And then you're going to go and you're going to live this great life. And he tells him his whole story and he paints it all out for him. And you're going to have this amazing life. And you and Val are going to do stuff together. And at a good old age, you're going to die. And I want you to get the picture that God is building in the crescendo. Abraham, you had doubts about yourself. You don't even get to walk through. I have my fingerprints all over your past. I have my fingerprints all over your present. In fact, I have my fingerprints all over your future that you haven't even lived yet. Abraham, this was never about you. This was always about me. I am. I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega. I am. And Abraham stood back and he realized, oh, I somehow made all of this about myself. And God said, this is my promise and I'm walking through it. So here's what you can do with your doubts. You can just put them away. Because I am. And I know 
that we struggle with this. I know that we look at ourselves and we think all sorts of things. And in every moment like that, I want you to know that God wants to meet you and he wants to whisper into you or he wants to shout it out to you to say, I am. I am the God who forgives. I am the God who is the lifter of your head. When everybody else is tearing you down, I am lifting you up. I remember a few years back, there's a lady who walked into here I was sitting over here, and she walked in and sat down, and I remember looking at her and thinking, oh, she looks so familiar. And there's like a few thousand of you people. I don't actually know all your names. Sorry. And I couldn't remember her name. And she was like 20 years ago, I'd gone on a mission trip with her, and I kept thinking. And then God, like, spoke, when I said spoke to me, I, it was like a God thought that I got. It was a nice kind of quiet impression, the way I got it. And, and he said, I want you to go to her and tell her, I know your name. <laughs> Oh, that's like, a, like ah, I don't know her name. I said, like, okay, right? You, obedience, I guess, right? So I walk out over here and I begin to talk to her. And she said, yeah, I saw you looking at me as I was coming in. And I was feeling guilty because I haven't really been at church a long time. In fact, I haven't really been with God for a long, long time. And I just felt something to come to church. And I just sort of looked her in the eyes and I said, hey, you know what, Leah? God knows your name. And she just like burst into tears. Because even though the dopey pastor didn't know her name, God knew her name. And it was exactly what she needed in the moment to come to just step in. And God says, I am. And I see you. And for some of you, God's word to you today is, I see you. The world hasn't seen you. Nobody's seen you. You feel like you've forgotten. He says, I am. And I see you. And you need to receive that word today. Because he's the one that's walking down. It never was about you. It never was about the things that you aren't. It always was about who he is and how he wants to come and draw close to you. And he wants to speak a word into you. So you'll know it. So you'll really know it. And often what he does is he gives you a handle to grab a hold of it. So when you get up and you see the stars, Abram, you can go, yeah. That's what all my descendants are going to be like. That when you're struggling with who you are, you go, oh, man, I don't, I don't have to walk through that. God walks through it. So let's, let's shine the light of the New Testament on it, the most famous doubter in the New Testament was Thomas. And I think he kind of gets a bad rap. Sometimes God comes in big noises and big sounds. One of the most, one of the most powerful phrases of I am is where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I, and I don't know, like maybe I've watched too many Marvel movies, but I'm thinking if I was God, how would you have done your, his resurrection? Like, like any good Marvel movie, you would have gone, he died three days, and you see the stone, and all of a sudden smoke starts coming out from behind the stone, the stone starts cracking, and that we have like about 50 of those, those, those thunder sounds, Isaac, that, you're, that you scared everybody with. Again, sorry to the lady with the child. And it just, boom! 
the grave breaks open and Jesus comes out and he goes, I am Iron Man. No, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And it would just resonate throughout. That would be like the Marvel movie, kind of a cool movie, right? We do that in Easter almost every time. Except that's not the way God did it, is it? God found a few really good ladies who just loved him with all their heart. They had nothing to get back. And they just went to the tomb because they loved Jesus. And it's almost like he kind of out of time. Like there was all these important people who would change the world. Peter and James and John and everything. And he just goes, no, 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 no. You ladies, you, you, yeah. You love me. I'm just going to come. I'm just going to say, I am present with you. And it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. He just comes and he speaks their name. Mary. You see, Jesus' encounter with Thomas was a lot like that. Jesus had been buried, rose again came to those ladies, came to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And this was like Jesus 2.0, the whole walls thing and everything, not a problem, right? He appears after hearing Thomas, and Thomas had sort of said, you know, unless I touch him, eh, I don't believe it, you guys are nuts. But Thomas was in the room with all these people, and Jesus materialized. And he takes a look at Thomas, and he doesn't condemn him, he doesn't say anything to him other than, he just says, Thomas, come here. I, I want you to put your finger. He meets him right where he's at. Right in the middle of his doubts. He says, I want you to touch these things. And, and I think if I understand the Bible right, that everybody's body is going to be perfect, except those scars are going to remain on the hands of Jesus, because that is the forever sacrifice for you and me. He says, Thomas, I want you to touch these. And Thomas's doubting turns into shouting. And he said, my Lord and my God. And his close encounter with God, he gave him a, 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 a tangible thing that he could do. And Thomas was never the same. He went out, he, uh, those of you who are Indian descent probably know this, that, that church history has it, that he went out and spread the gospel all over India. He was the initial missionary into India and, and did it so zealously that um, they actually eventually martyred him. They had uh, got so sick of him, but he would never deny Jesus, and he was eventually martyred, and he was killed. And I can think, well, yeah, that's what happened on earth. Can you imagine what happened in heaven when Thomas finally came to his reward? my Lord and my God. And he got to be with him right there. I want to leave you with two things that I think are so important. What did Thomas do when he was doubting? Guys, he showed up in the middle of his doubts. He was hanging around with everybody else. He didn't go on an Instagram BuzzFeed and lull himself. He didn't buy something, eat something, watch something. He showed up. And that's what you need to do. In the middle of your doubts, you need to show up and God's going to meet you. The second thing that he did was this. He had a few good men 
that he knew would help him. And he got in with those few people that were close to him and he went through it together with them. I want to encourage you in this. You need to have some people who are, you're going to talk to your, them about the real stuff of your life. And, and, if, and if I can do this, guys, men, we're, we're not always great at this. Who do you have in your life that you can talk about the really important stuff about? I, as I was leaving the service, 925, uh, well, a guy said to me, Jamie said, hey, you know what? As, as I was leaving, this guy came up to me and said, hey, Jamie, I actually don't have anybody. Would you do that with me? He said, we're doing it. We're going to meet. I think God's doing this in, with us in this season. Because all of us need a place where we can be really honest. Because God doesn't want to leave you unstable. He wants to leave you on solid ground. Because he is the great I am. Amen? Amen. You can give the Lord a hand. Here, here's how we're going to close today. Would you stand? Those of you online, you could, want you to participate in this as well. We're going to take just a couple of minutes... And we talked about encounters that people had with God, and some of them were quiet, and some of them were loud, and I know you might have thought over your life that there were times that God really spoke to you or gave you a word or a thought or a scripture. We're going to take a time right now, and God, what is it that you want to speak to your kids? What word do you want to give? And maybe just a picture comes to mind or a thought, or maybe this is too rushed and you can do it tonight, whatever. We're going to take some time and just acknowledge that he is the great I am. Whatever it is that your dad wants to say to you right now, I want you to just receive it. Lord, I think that we can keep asking you, that we can keep coming to you, that we can take all of our frustrations, our hurts, our pains, our doubts, and we can bring them to you. And I thank you for this story of Abram, who you never got frustrated with, but you met him right where he was at. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters online in the building, for, for our, each one of us, Lord, as we journey this, would you give us the courage to do that, to show up? And Lord, if there are people around who need to connect, you need to have somebody else to talk to, would you give us the courage to do that together with each other? We need each other, God. You've put us together in this family. Thank you for the words that you've spoken today over each one of us and the words that you're going to speak over the future. Thank you for those God encounters that change us. Just remain in an attitude of, of worship. Just focus on God. With everybody's head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond in a little different way. Maybe you're online or you're here in person and you've never had an opportunity where you've definitively said, you know what, I need to have a relationship with God. Or maybe you have and you've completely fallen away. If that's you today, you can press that button or you can raise your hand here in the, in the building. Anybody here that said, I need to do that now. I need to make that decision.
Yep, thank you in the back. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. Yep, thank you, ma'am. That's great. We'll give you just a second. Uh, there's, a, there's a young man watching online. You're in your, in your teens, and you don't even know why you're watching. But God wants you to know that I see you, and today's your day. Okay? Anybody else? Okay, here's what we're going to do. The whole church family is going to pray with you. If you raised your hand or you should have, we'll pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the great I am. Today I choose to begin the journey to learn what that means. I thank you that you are my Savior, my Lord, and my King. I choose today to give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand?